Hello everyone and welcome to Top Shelf AFI Top 100. If you are brand new to this podcast, which I'm assuming you are since this is the first episode, you don't know who I am. I am Jeff, one of the two hosts of this podcast. Now, for those of you who know this show and are just going back and wanting to listen to all 100 episodes again, feel free to skip ahead a couple minutes because this message is geared towards those of you who have never heard the show. Go on. Go on. All right. So those of you who have never listened to the show, I am here for a very specific reason. Now, normally these episodes do not start off with a message by me. Uh, There is one, however, later on in the show that does because we had some audio problems, but you'll get to that when you get to that episode. This message is to warn you, these first few episodes are a little rough. We do not, and by we I mean Lindsay and myself, we don't consider ourselves film experts. We love movies And we felt like this podcast was our chance to watch movies that we felt as film fans we should have seen. We did not go into this podcast going, oh, we know everything there is to know about movies and we are experts and love every single film genre of all time. We're not. However, the run of this show has taught us one thing, and it's that we appreciate movies even more than we did before. As the show goes along, you'll start hearing us talk more about the story, the editing, the, the way the camera was, was set up to film the reactions of this character, this character, the way that the music helped, helped embrace the emotion. We start diving into some of that stuff later on in the run of the show. Again, for the longest time, this show was strictly just, it was our, it was an excuse for us to give our opinions on these movies. You may very well disagree with us and our opinions, and that's fine. But then there's a lot of movies that we never thought we would ever like that has honestly become some of our favorite movies. We as film fans have grown because of this podcast. We have learned and started seeing deeper into movies as to what makes a good movie good. And I'm so excited that for you who've never listened to this podcast series, you're going to actually be able to tell and listen to us grow as 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 film fans and it's really cool and it's really exciting now this episode okay well when we first started this podcast we made the decision you know what we're going to sit down and watch the movie if we for whatever reason cannot finish that movie if we cannot make it through the film we simply won't We'll talk about why we could not make it through the movie. We were going to use that as like a a point of conversation. So, spoilers, we did it for this movie. No, 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 before you get all angry, it's the only movie on this list that we did that for. We actually have corrected that issue. Episode 103 of this podcast, we go back and we re-record and re-watch (laughs) Ben-Hur because we as owners of this podcast, and as well as film fans, felt that we owed it to ourselves and to you, the listeners, to have fully watched all 100 movies. We did not want to go through this podcast and go, well, we watched 99 of the 100. Well, why didn't you watch the 100? Well, because we were bored by it and we just didn't want to go back. We didn't want to do that. So so before you go crazy bananas, it, it is there. So just, just, just be warned that If you get mad at this episode, please continue listening. We get better, I promise. Know that we sound a little rough. The audio quality is a little lower. We may not uh, be caring as much about how we talk or what we talk about in these early episodes, but it does get better. Sometimes, yeah, we make mistakes. We screw up. We say the wrong things. So just 
Just wanted to reach out and let you guys know, don't judge this podcast by the first two episodes. <laughs> Give it some time. Hell, skip to number 90 on the list, I don't care. At least get going into the show when it becomes a regular occurrence for us. Lindsay and myself did this because we wanted to. We weren't being paid to do it. We don't even work for the AFI. Hell, I've only been to the outside of the AFI Institute once in my life, and that was driving past it in a car, which there's pictures of in one of these episodes, so keep an eye out for that. Anyways, so take it with a grain of salt and use this podcast as an excuse to watch some of these amazing films if you've never seen them. And and let us know your thoughts. Find us on our Facebook at facebook.com slash topshelfpod. We're always there. We always want to know what you think about these movies, too. All right. Okay. Enough yabbering. I've already wasted five minutes of your time. You want to listen to this episode, no matter how horrible this episode is. Uh, so here we go. Our first inaugural episode of Top Shelf AFI Top 100. Oh, my God. And after you're done listening to this, if you want to actually listen to the real episode, be sure to listen to episode 103 when we redo it. Okay, there you go. Have fun. Bye, guys. Take care and enjoy the podcast. There should have been echoes there. I'm sorry. Music. Welcome to Top Shelf. Hi, Jeff. Hello. <laughs> Top so, Shelf, yay. This is my first podcast, not my first, like, ever podcast, but the first podcast that I'm leading yes, as you... the show host as opposed to a random guest star. You have been on a handful of others. Yes. Super happy fun time. I feel really weird because I feel like it's super formal because I'm not allowed to go off on side tangents about things. Even no side I'm tangents. Doing that right now. Okay. So, Be louder. I'm okay. <laughs> Fine, okay. We're going to move the microphone Louder. That's okay. just That's crazy. better. That's better. Okay, so the purpose of this podcast is for us to go through the painstaking task <laughs> of the AFI Top 100 films. I'm already regretting this. We are already regretting this, and you will understand <laughs> shortly as we introduce the first film at number 100. Yes. So... That's basically, you know, what we're doing here is we're going to do, what did we decide, two a month? Two a month. We'll see how well we actually keep up on that. It yes. may be more. It may be less. It depends on our schedules. Yes. But. We're starting at the, number 100. We're starting at number 100. And thankfully, number 99 will be easier to do. Yes. In fact, we could probably record 99 right after we do 100. Because <laughs> I'm pretty positive but I know that it's movie. okay. So, <laughs> this came about because we were sitting around at dinner. We're at the Armory eating dinner. We're at the Armory. We're at the Armory eating dinner. Great place, by the way. Yes. Thumbs up to the Armory. If they ever want to sponsor our podcast, <laughs> um, we will take it. Uh, we were trying to think of new podcasts for the network because sometimes, like, Super Happy Fun Time does not get done as quickly because it is hard to do across, you know, two, three counties. Also a good podcast. I highly recommend you listen to that. Okay, enough plugging our own shit. Sorry. <laughs> By the way, this is not a family-friendly. I will, no. there's, There will be swearing and profanity, <laughs> I am quite sure, so please do not have your children listen to this. It will be labeled explicit on the <laughs> iTunes, I'm sure. So if you missed that. <laughs> so this is getting back on track. Yes. So we're going to go through the AFI 100 Years 100 Movies list, which is from 2007 is the last year that they did this. So 
Without further ado, we will introduce film number 100, which unfortunately is Ben-Hur. Now, I don't have a problem with Ben-Hur other than the fact that it is three and a half hours long and it's kind of boring. From my point of view, it's kind of boring, which is not, I'm, I'm jumping ahead on my outline of things, but, but. So Ben-Hur is three and a half hours long. Jeff got through how long? I got through about 40 minutes. I got through almost an hour. Yeah, you got through more than I I got through more than Jeff did. I love movies, don't get me wrong. Yes, we both love movies. That's kind of why we're spearheading this grouping of podcasts. But this film... But this film... I just... You know, I had... Okay, I had known... You know, like, I know Ben-Hur. I know of the movie. I know it's a classic. And I can tell you from the 40 minutes that I saw of the movie... I can see why it is a classic. I got that. I completely understand. You can you can tell why it's done or why why it's been such a classic movie. It, it has that very big, vibrant classic summer movie vibe to it and feel to I it. I wouldn't say summer movie. This not summer. Like, we're not like comparing it to modern. Transformers. Yes, it or is. Anything. It is not a tentpole film in the middle of summer. Ooh, but good term. Good term. See, that's what we're gonna throw out here. We'll put those definitions on the website. Um, but like you're it's, all over that. I'm all over that. That's my department. But it, it, it's definitely I can f- I can see why it was such a classic and why it won so many awards which we'll go over later too. Yes, don't um, don't bust into my topic, nope, my we're talking not. points. But uh it, it's just it's it's so long. It's not like Lord of the Rings long. Like Lord of the Rings, I feel like even the extended versions Even the extended versions are not that long. They're not that long feeling. And I no. think it's I have reasons why. So but What's we'll, we'll get into that. What's interesting is that just point of information I used to, my sister and I used to watch this movie when we were little, and we sat through the whole thing, and this was back when it was on VHS, and you had to switch tapes halfway through it. The only other movies we had that you had to do that on were Titanic Mm -hmm. and Meet Joe Black. I don't know why Meet Joe Black, but it was one of those movies. Oh, Gone with the Wind, too. You had to switch tapes halfway through. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, just real quick to give the plot so we can get to the more interesting aspects of this, because you can go online and look this up yourself, but essentially... It's about Judah Ben-Hur, who is a wealthy prince and merchant in Jerusalem, and his relationships with people and his mom, and what's the IMDB, just quick blip of the of, of the, the thing, because I'm synopsis. not going to read the whole Wikipedia. If you Wikipedia Ben-Hur, make sure to check the plot and stuff. Make sure you do the 1959 version, because there's like three other versions of it. The short end of it is, when a Jewish prince is betrayed and sent into slavery by a Roman friend, he regains his freedom and comes back for revenge. Okay. That sounds awesome. There you go. Yeah, you give them that, and then... That sounds like a revenge movie. It sounds like an hour and a half... And there's Jesus in it, too. See, and here's a fun fact. I have known of this movie forever. Was not aware Jesus was in this movie. Did not realize it took place, like, around the story. I did not realize that, like, the actual, like, full title of the film is Ben-Hur, uh, A Tale of the Christ. Did That's not the know name that. of the book. Is that why? That's the name of the book. See, and they show that in the beginning, like, the first couple minutes of the movie. Like, they, they actually, and, like, I'm watching this film going, oh, Apparently Jesus is in this movie. Like I didn't know that, and and that has that's that's not at all what turned me away from the movie. It was nothing about that. It was just I I just yeah. I'll, it's just the pacing. So I have a huge issue with the pacing. It's so, adapted continue. from a Lou Wallace novel from 1880 called Ben Hur: A Tale of the Christ. 1880. Holy crap! Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> so this actually this movie we are into. 
So this is our brief. We did our brief plot summary. Yep. For those yeah, of you, you're who not getting are, anything more than that. No, pretty much not for this movie. <laughs> not, I'll no. go in more detail. Well, we'll go in more detail for movies that we are overly passionate about. Yes. And oh, just wait for the length of those episodes. This one, we'll see how long it ends up being. Yeah, this but one might not be that long. This one. So bear with us. This is our pilot episode, and as we all know from watching lots and lots of TV shows, you got to give it past the pilot to get into it. Give it at least three episodes. Please. Thank you. <laughs> well, maybe. Give us till 90, and if we're no good after 90, we'll not, not episode quit. 90, but like <laughs> when we get to number 90 on the list. If we reach swing time, and we have yet to get your fancy... Ew, we have to watch... We'd watch we Swing Time. Goodfellas is 92? Yeah. Gross. Yeah, we're skipping That's ahead. That's that far into the bottom? <laughs> we're not going to skip Goodfellas. It'll be one of the longest no. episodes ever. No, we're not skipping Goodfellas. No. We're, just, we're skipping ahead in the in, episodes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, Back, so on anyways, Back on track. Back on track. So... My personal thoughts on the film are, yes, the pacing is very slow. It's very, very... This was my main thing. If a movie starts with an overture, you know you're in trouble. Yeah. The only movie that starts with an overture that I know of that I thoroughly enjoy is Gone with the Wind. And just because I love the music and Gone with the Wind. And that's why I'm okay with the overture. But normally I fast forward through it. But yeah, if a movie starts with an overture, you're in trouble. And I'm pretty <laughs> positive that overture lasted for like a good oh, I have 10 a fact. Oh, I have a fact about the have, score when we, get to the, okay. when we get to the trivia section. We're not there yet. Jeff, your personal thoughts on the Because I have no other real personal thoughts because I didn't get far enough into it. I do remember thinking when I was younger and seeing it that it was really slow as well. But... And see, and I sorry, feel... sorry, sorry, oh. sorry. Oh, look at that big spike! This is a podcast, my dear. I'm not eating on the podcast. That's the only rule. It's true. We have the movie actually playing currently. I'm probably not going to mm. keep it playing. Look at the overture. You can't see that, but um, it's my, my... it's from the the it says overture with uh, a shot from the Sistine Chapel of. Adam and Jesus, or God, rather. Touching I think fingers. Yeah, it's the whole which touching actually, finger it's a creation moment. of Adam, I believe. Yes. The, the whole here, pull segment. my finger pose painting for ha, those. Ha ha ha. Ha ha It's funny. Ha <laughs> It's funny. See, my, yeah, and I, see, I really do. I, I, I agree. I, I mean, I'm a person who loves older movies. I, I love I silent not. films. I, I do not. I can, I can sit and watch like a Charlie Chaplin film, no problem. I love like older comedies. I love. You some, love the Marx Brothers. I love the Marx. I do Brothers. not love the Marx Brothers. But the I have problem, respect for the Marx Brothers. See, at least you respect. Them. I do, and Chaplin as well. It's yes. just not my jam. No, and the thing is, is that the movie, the movie is so. It's the pacing. It really, really is the pacing. And that's my hugest beef. Again, not with just this movie. It's with a lot of movies from this era. I just... I, I, I hate... I hate the the pacing of these films. They're a lot slower. Now, again, I know that's just kind of our generation. Our generation is used to commercials being 30 seconds, 60 seconds long, and we're on to another thing. We're used to having short attention spans. So I'm sure half of that's the problem. But there's just so many of the scenes just get... They're they're more like plays almost, where everything's kind of long. And it drawn is that out. is a very good because if you go to a play and it's three and a half hours long, you think nothing of it, right? But you watch a movie for three and a half hours but and you're like, this is not. Done I don't yet. think it's fair to say that our generation has a short attention span. It's just that you know, because I can go and sit through a play or a musical for three and a half hours and I'm fine. True. It's just that I was trying to watch this while folding laundry. I do love the opening with the baby Jesus though <laughs> and the hopping cow. It's very well done, and that's the other thing. Again, don't. Get this is a classic film, and we have we wouldn't be talking about it if no. we didn't respect it. The but mo- the movie is it is long, brilliantly shot. It's 
beautiful. I can see why it won the awards that it did. I have a fun fact about that but, as well when we get there. But so we'll we'll hold off on that as well. But I mean, it's it's the trivia just, is going to take up like half the episode. <laughs> it's just one of those things where it is. It's just my feel, my fear, or my my problem with the movie is it's because look how pretty you can't see this, but it's the shot of the star shining down on the manger in Bethlehem. And it's just so. I mean, it's it's gorgeous because it's obviously a flat. Yeah. But it's so pretty. The painting just, it's is so very well, well done. done. Yes, and, General oh, Lou Wallace, A Tale of the Christ. Yep. So it's just presented it's, by Metro Goldwyn Mayer. So classic MGM film, classic classic film. But but it's still it's one of those where I just that's my huge concern with it. It's just it's just the pacing. That's my that's my problem. I Another, feel like I could take it and edit it to like a two hour movie. I would still watch the movie, and I think you'd be, it'd be okay because it'd be quicker paced. And other than that, I mean, that's I don't really have any other opinions on it. No, I will sit down at some point. And again, this is a terrible movie for us to start our pilot episode with. We're like, man, we didn't even make it all the way through it. But here, we're going to sit and talk about it. <laughs> and we were going to have uh, we were going to have a guest for this pilot. Um, one of our friends was we whose were favorite. Have, who is this? Is like one of his all time favorite movies. He owns like the. 50th anniversary super deluxe gift set box of it. But sadly, he could not be with us today. So He's fine. He yeah, be nothing's here. wrong with Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Sorry. Hey, Andrew. We're apologizing that we're doing this without you. Maybe we'll come back and revisit the episode at a later time yes. if we if we decide to. Or we'll, maybe we'll do it again. But it's just, we wanted to get it going. And this, yeah, this was sadly, like you're right, it's just the first movie. It's a really bad movie to start with for us because we couldn't make it through it. But I, we, I would just like to point out before we get too far afield, mm-hmm. it is a remake the movie is a remake? It is a remake from a 1925 silent film by the same name. Or of the same name. Interesting. Interesting. Also, I don't think the gentleman who directed hours. this film, mm-hmm. who's Weiler, I believe is it? Well, yeah, yep. William Weiler, yep. was an assistant director on the original. And he's the director of this film. He kind of he worked his way up. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting, right? The, the film's got a lot of big people in it. I mean, actor-wise... Charlton a, Heston's Charlton in Heston, it. Charlton Heston. That's what everybody kind of knows him from. But, I mean, there's there's a ton of... Again, maybe not necessarily people that individuals today may recognize in but movies. Back then, but back then, it was a decent size And there was cast. a lot of people who were up for roles in it who ended up not taking them that were very famous as well. Rock Hudson. Yes. Um, Paul Newman was asked to play Ben-Hur, but didn't think he could have the legs to pull off wearing a toga, which is why he's not <laughs> such a in weird the movie. It's reason. just so silly. It's such a vain so reason silly. of him. You know, it's like he's a good actor. He would have done the role. Well, and day, Rock but... Hudson was told by his agent not to do it because of the homosexual undertones of the relationship between Ben-Hur <sighs> and what's his name scroll back up um Quintus yeah Quintus um because there is some there are some blatant homosexual undertones at certain points in the film that um they didn't feel his agents like you shouldn't do this movie because as we all know Rock Hudson it was gay but could not come out of the closet because it was like tantamount to being blacklisted in the fifties. To say it was bad news. To say this is this is fifty nine and that is definitely not a period where I mean it's still not 
hundred percent easy nowadays, but definitely it's getting a lot not. better. But back then, ooh, buddy, yeah, that's not, not good. something that you would have done. So it's I understand why he probably backed out of it. He just didn't. Since want we're that on the topic, I'm gonna move into trivia because I have lots of fun trivia we're for this get into film. The trivia. trivia is my specialty when it comes to films. I will just as a quick background note, I will from time to time be sitting around watching movie and go, oh, I need to know more about this film, so I'll hop on IMDb while I'm watching the movie and look at all the trivia and rattle it off at random points in time. It has never served me well when it comes to, like, bar trivia or, like... It just serves me it's when just I really, want to ramble really good about it. for like playing scene it and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not people you play scene it with. No, it's not or really go to fair. the movies with. It's yeah. not good. <laughs> it's not good at all. So Ben Hur won eleven Academy Awards in nineteen fifty nine. Okay, that was there were eleven. There was twelve categories. It won eleven of those twelve categories. Which, so it won ninety two percent of the Oscars that year. Which at that time. I think it was the first film to do that, too. It was not... It's That record has never been beaten. It's been tied twice. Yep. Almost, almost 50 years later, Titanic in 97 did it, and then Return of the King in 2003. Yep. It took that long for a movie to be thought of that highly. So, again... And Titanic? Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> I don't even think Titanic's on the top 100. Yes. Is it? Yes, it is. Dang it, I spoke too soon. Titanic is number 83. Okay. We will be watching Titanic. Yes. I'm actually okay with that one. Stuff. Yeah, I haven't watched it in a while. <laughs> to bust out my copy of Titanic on VHS tape. Woo! My mom went to Blockbuster at midnight to buy it when it came oh, out. Oh, jeez. No, I'm not that sad. <laughs> no, Joe and I did go and see it. In the I theaters. saw it like five times in the theaters. <laughs> Near the end of this run. Everything was um, all grainy. Let's so, yes. see. This motion picture was the most expensive ever made at the time, and the sets were the largest yet built for a film. And I actually have some cute, cute facts about gigantic sets. So this is kind of a three-part trivia fact, and I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read the whole thing to you because it's funny. Okay. So MGM wanted an authentic-looking Roman boat for the live battle scenes. To design the boats, they hired a person who had spent his whole career studying Roman naval architecture. When he presented his designs to the MGM engineers, um, they exclaimed, but this is too top-heavy, it will sink. <laughs> they built the boat anyway and launched it into the ocean. At first, it seemed to float, and then a little wave came along. It was awake from another boat. <laughs> Splashed against the highly unstable boat and tipped it over <laughs> in the ocean. MGM had to put the boat in a large pond with a huge painted sky backdrop. And they had to steady the boat by running cables from the bottom of the boat to the bottom of the pond with anchors attached to them. I wonder where they shot that at. Okay. Here, here we go again. More problems with the boat. So once they get the boat in the pond, they run into another problem with the color of the water because it was apparently too brown and murky. So they hired a chemist to develop a dye to color the water the same color as the Mediterranean Sea, so you know that nice bright blue. The chemist dumped a huge sack of some powder into the pond, which instead of turning the water blue, formed a hard crust on the surface of the water, which had to be chiseled off the boat. That one I knew. <laughs> they finally found some dye that would make the water water blue, but during one of the battle scenes, an extra who fell into the water and spent too much time in the water turned blue and was kept on the MGM payroll until it wore off. I would like to know how long he was on the MGM payroll until it wore off. So if you want a really cushy job in Hollywood, <laughs> fall into a vat of dye the studio accidentally did... 
and you'll just get paid oh for the gosh. rest of your time until okay. you're, so you're no longer Dr. Manhattan. Even more tri- nice. <laughs> Even more trivia about the boat. So when it came time to film inside the boat, it was discovered that the 65 millimeter cameras wouldn't fit in the boat. <laughs> so the boat had to be taken out of the pond. Who was in charge of this cut, boat? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> cut in half lengthwise and then placed in an Italian soundstage. After all that, the oars wouldn't fit in the soundstage, so they had to cut them off just beyond the hull. And this resulted in extremely light oars, which, when rowed by the actors, didn't look believable since you can move them with one hand. So to solve this problem, a gentleman sent an army of production assistants to all the hardware stores in Rome to buy a the kind of spring and hydraulic piston mechanisms that are normally attached to doors to force them to close but keep them from slamming. Placing these devices on the oars in the hull gave enough resistance to make the rowing scenes look realistic. Seriously. And I think we all know which rowing scene we're talking about yes. where they do the drum thing that's yes. kind of used. Because there's the other thing. With this movie, if you've never seen this movie, while you're watching it, I will say this, you will recognize scenes that it's other an iconic films film. have referenced over the years. Like, the whole chariot race sequence. We'll talk about that. Which we'll talk about. It, it, it was... It was. I mean, it's very, very iconic. So many other movies with chase sequences nowadays reference this film just like the shots that they use everything like it, it's it's a very iconic and i seriously sorry i really want to know who the hell was in charge of that boat because whoever it was right? i hope got fired because you know what <laughs> that's ridiculous <laughs> oh and then one other quick thing you got you mentioned italy yeah. um one little piece of trivia i don't know if you had it but the the film was primarily shot overseas yes it was not it was there was only um some studio work that was shot here in uh, america. america but primarily all the outdoor stuff everything was shot overseas in italy and it was it was i think it was because of budget it was cheaper to shoot overseas than it was to shoot here plus i also think they wanted to be like authentic or something right. like that so so continue so um the movie used over a million props. And interestingly enough, in the 1970s, when MGM was given over to someone else, they had an 18-day auction of props, costumes, and memorabilia. Um, that new owner, Kirk Kirkorian, decided to liquidate the studio's assets. A restaurant tour from Sacramento paid $4,000 for a chariot used in the film. Three years later, during the energy crisis in 1973, he was arrested for driving the chariot on the highway. <laughs> oh, that would have been awesome today. <laughs> oh, I skipped one thing having to do with like the with kind of on the awards and the film itself because now I'm just going to get into silly, so, silly. Or I have a couple things before I get into silly, tri- somebody, silly trivia. Somebody or more silly trivia. Somebody doing that today would have been like somebody buying the Batmobile yeah. and taking or the Bat motorcycle bat pod and taking that out on the highway to try to run away from the cops like that's the equivalent this is one of this is the only hollywood film to make it uh to make the vatican approved film list in the category of religion because it was so truthful to the book basically also it was the first movie remake to win an oscar for best picture and it didn't get beaten for that until the departed in oh, 47 years after remake. the fact. I didn't know that until I read that it's, piece of trivia right there. What is it? Is it like a, was it like a Spanish film or an Italian Possibly. film or something like that? 
Um, let's see. (laughs) I'm not going to get into like trivia about like the whole writing thing, but apparently there was lots of drama over who wrote the movie because someone died while they were writing it. If you want to look it up, it's on, it's on internet movie database, but I don't want to read all of it because it's not overly interesting. Yeah, because if you look at the list, there's uh, IMDb lists. It lists like like four or five five. people. Yeah, four of them are uncredited. Yeah, and they just they basically just and there was a whole like yeah there was a whole to do about people. Yeah, it was nasty apparently and stuff like that. That would have I I really believe that would have never flown today. No, that would not fly. Well, they had to go before like the Writers Guild Association board. Like, there was, like, a trial on it or something. Again, if you want to... I'm totally just pulling this off my brain. I did read through it last night, but I don't feel like... The movie has a lot of epic backstory to it. It does. If you're interested, Internet Movie Database. So spend three hours watching the film and then spend another... And then read all the trivia. ...twelve about all the trivia. Okay, it's not twelve hours worth of trivia. (laughs) I don't know. It's pretty close. There's a lot of stuff going on. Speaking of the score, you're talking about the fact that the overture is, like, five minutes long. Yeah. It has the longest score in the history of film. Was it constant and the, from beginning to end? I don't know. But it says it has the longest score of any film, and it was apparently very influential on film composition, like, score composition, for, like, 15 years after that. Interesting. And the gentleman's name is Mikolos Rosa, or something close to that. Very Italian. He wrote the score in eight weeks. Jeez. And it's the longest score ever in film. My God. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't realize it. I, see that? I did not know. Yeah. See, look at that. Even see? I am learning stuff. See? She's learning things. I'm souping. Um, by the time filming had finished, um, MGM's London Laboratories had processed over 1,250,000 feet of 65mm Eastman color film at the cost of a dollar per foot. Is that a dollar then or a dollar now? I'm not sure. It does not say. I wonder if that's a dollar then. God, if it was a dollar then, it's even worse now. And then the chariot race has a 263 to 1 cutting ratio, which means that for every 263 feet of film, they kept one foot of it. So they shot... Which is the highest... Is probably is probably the highest for any sixty five miller millimeter sequence ever filmed. So they heavily overshot the movie. Mm-hmm. They shot so much coverage. That's probably one of those. I don't movies. want to see the director's cut of this movie. I was gonna say that's one of those movies that you they were probably recut that chariot race mm-hmm. like four different times using alternate footage, and it would have been complete. It would have still had the same thing, but it would have been alternate takes, and it would have looked completely different. With that much footage, that's also nuts. one of the very few and expensive sixty-five millimeter cameras in the world at that time got destroyed during the chariot race. Oh. Let's talk about the chariot race. Let's talk shall about we? the chariot race. I have. One. I watched this scene. By the way, when I I've stopped, seen this scene. Yeah, when I stopped watching, I skipped to the chariot race because <laughs> I'm like, I want to watch all the chariot race, and I watched the whole chariot race. So I enjoyed. Do it. you want to talk about the chariot race since you kind of had the chariot race? Let's talk about the urban legend about the chariot race first. That would be the the, the guy, the deaths? Yes. Is it that one? So there isn't, there's been an urban legend forever. For years. I mean, I think right after the movie came out, too. Like, it's been going since then. That during the chariot race, 
there, there's there's accidents in the race. Again, this is like a normal car crash, normal car action scene from nowadays, or like a race drive, race car movie. Or, there's a couple of wrecks in it. And now these guys are on chariots. If you don't know what chariot is, Google it. But I mean, and there's yeah. a couple moments where the people, like, they'll run over guards because as, as these chariots flip, the drivers are, or the, the, the vehicles are all crashed about on the racetrack, and there's these people's jobs to run out, this is during the movie, to run out and pick up the debris and get it off the track before they, the, the, the racers make their next lap around. So that's happening in the movie. Well, what happens at one point is uh, they're out there racing. It's either either the people who are picking up the stuff are out there, or it is, I think that's what it is, or one of the guys get knocked off course, and a chariot crashes and runs over a person. Now, the urban legend is that that was a legitimately caught-on-film death, that one of the chariots actually did lose control and ran over one of the extras and killed them during the filming of the movie. So that's when the urban legend is that you're actually watching this real death. But the reality behind it is that it's not... It's not actually a real person. It was it was a dummy that they built that they hinged the arms and the legs in such a way inside the dummy that it would actually flail like a real human's arms and legs would. So that's what actually made it. It was so realistic that people serious. I think they said people got up out of the theater in a couple of these showings thinking that they had just wit or they were Witnessed like scarred because they thought they witnessed a real life death on film. But it's not. It's been completely debunked. Yep. Even though a lot of people still claim that it's true and that's a lie. In but, fact, but there yeah. was an infirmary created especially for filming the dangerous chariot race scene. And in the end, very few injuries were actually sustained and most of those injuries were sunburns. Because they're out in the blazing mm-hmm. hot sun and on like sand. So there's so much heat yep. billowing up from the ground. But... The chariot race is a very, very classic, very, very uh, just iconic chase scene. Like I said, you know, even if you don't want to watch the whole movie, if you watch just the chariot race portion of the film, you will, again, like we said earlier, you'll see stuff that you've seen in other movies, but those other movies got it from this. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, like the, the bad guy is raising himself around and he comes up with a good guy and they're neck and neck, but the bad guy has stuff like, if you guys ever seen Grease? The whole car mm-hmm. chase at the end of the movie with like the one guy has the like the the like the spikes coming out of his tires. That's a complete reference to this movie and every other movie that's done that. It references this because the bad guy in this the bad guy, but I guess you could call him that in the movie in Ben Hur. He's got it on his wheels and it's you know he's fighting with Charlton Heston's character, but like it, it the action, the cutting, the angles that they use, the cinematography of the scene is very much what you would see nowadays in an in a, in a chase scene. I've got the breakdown for how the the urban legend started mm-hmm. so there's a couple of things so the cherry race segment was directed by legendary stuntman yakima knut joe knut who is yakka's son doubled for charlton heston during one of the crashes in which judah ben-hur's horse jumps over a crash chariot the younger knut was thrown from his chariot onto the tongue of his chariot. He managed to climb back into it and bring it back under control. The sequence looks so good that it was included in the film with close-ups of Heston climbing back into the chariot. The guy got a slight cut on his chin, but it was the only injury from there. But apparently... Um, a stuntman who worked on the film put in his biography that his dad, the guy's dad, went pale because he thought that the kid had died. Because if you watch it, and it's and it then, is, it's in the movie, you can see that. That's scene. not the point. That's not the one though where everyone thinks people died. No. Um, 
There is a rumor that Stephen Boyd's double was killed during the chariot race, which is false. According to second unit, this, the same guy, the the Masala that was run over, a Roman soldier standing in the center island who was hit by a chariot and the driver of a spilled rig, who jumped out of the way of one chariot but immediately run over by another one, were all articulated and weighted dummies made of movable arm and leg joints. Yep. So when they hit, they reacted the way a normal human body would. The combination of adroit placement and expert editing made the dummies look real, like real people being run over. Because it's very fast in the movie, too. Yeah. It, I think it's like a whole two seconds is what you see, and that enough, that's and enough. And what happened was is that the stand-in dummy got tangled up under the horse hooves and got trampled. Yeah. And it looks... This resulted in a realistic death sequence that shocked the theater audiences of the time and spawned an urban legend that there this was a real death. And it's... it's Like I said, it's a very, very well-done scene. It's very... Good, like the pacing for that sequence. If the rest of the movie was like that, it probably would be really exhausting. But if the rest of the movie was quicker pacing, like the chariot scene, I think the movie would wouldn't suffer from that fifties, sixties long play like performance yeah. of, of of the movie. So, but it's it still is. That's kind of all I had about the the. The chariot race. It was yeah. just. It was very much. It's, it's a very iconic thing in film. And I would watch it. I, like I said, if you haven't seen the movie, at least watch the chariot race scene because by watching that, you'll under. You'll. No you'll, one will fault you it. for not watching the whole movie. No. We didn't even watch the whole. movie. No, I mean you kind of know where how it ends. If it, it follows Jesus, it ends with him being crucified at the end of it. We promise from henceforth <laughs> to try and watch all the rest of the movies, Pretty- but. In our defense, it's a really long movie. It's a very long. It's a very, very, very long movie. And I don't really think. I mean, the there's God- a couple of them that I'm gonna have to struggle through, but it'll be okay. But there's, I mean, there's some. There are some other longer movies. On I'm not the gonna list. have to watch Shawshank before we talk. About it. I've seen it like eight times. <laughs> I'm in the gonna last, watch like, Shawshank week. again just because. I love Shawshank. Okay, sorry, that's way up on the list. <laughs> so, but that is all. Oh, excuse me. That's that's all I had for this. Yeah, that's this all week's. I have for this episode. So for- next next week's uh, or next 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 week's, but well, we next can try. Time- we can try and do it week to week. So we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Uh, when school starts, we're recording this in January when I'm on Christmas break still. So, But next episode is going to be Toy Story from so, 1995, yep. which is at number 99 on the list. So if you haven't seen Toy Story, what's wrong with you? Right? And, How old are you? Yes. And um, <laughs> what's and, the matter uh, with you? Uh, but if you haven't, for whatever reason, definitely go out and rent it. And uh, you can listen along and, and learn some stuff and, and enjoy yourself. And as we decide, we're going to say, it's all uphill from here. It's all uphill from here. It's all uphill from here. All right. Personally enjoy that tagline. I'm Lindsay. I'm Jeff. Thanks, folks. Bye. For more information about this and other programming, visit our official website at www.ghostat.net. <laughs> I like the ending.